If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Art of Awesome show number 178. Bill's stroke of genius was to, you know, go out and do all that work for you. Bring it all under one roof, which is the roof of his garage. Um, He took $2,000 of his own savings, um, brought in an inventory, and then sat down at his typewriter and typed out the first NRS catalog. Hit it! what i'm talking about wait okay now from the beginning hit it boys welcome to the art of awesome my name is nick troutman and i'm a professional athlete entrepreneur family man and adventure seeker my goal is to share with you stories knowledge and inspiration as we continue on the journey together searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get to it Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is another truly awesome and incredible interview as I got to sit down with Mark Deming from NRS as we talk all about the history of Northwest River Supply, NRS, uh, and its 50th anniversary since Bill Parks started the company. So we talk all about Bill Parks' original ideas and somewhat unorthodox business ideas for the times back in the 1970s when he started the company, as well as how how he turned it into the international and massive paddle sports company that it is today, then morphing it into the employee-owned company. And we really just talk all about how NRS is on the forefront, whether it be trying to make better products, whether it be trying to have better business ideas, or whether trying to be more inclusive within paddle sports. So a really fun and phenomenal conversation that I got to have. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Mark Deming. Mark, thank you so very much for joining me here on the Art of Awesome podcast. I'm stoked to talk with you and uh, get you on the show. Yeah, so good to be here, Nick. Thanks for having me. So, Mark, you're the, the chief marketing officer over at NRS. And this year marks your 50th anniversary since Bill Parks uh, started the company back in, was it 1934? Am I correct on that? 
1972, 1972. There we go. I don't know where I'm looking back. I'm, I'm as I'm reading this out. I'm like that number doesn't make sense for 50 yeah, years. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> kayaker math, man. That's kayaker math right there. Um, <laughs> can, can can you uh, walk us through a bit of the history of NRS and and how it started 50 years ago and and kind of um, turning into the company that it that it is today, uh, and then we'll kind of dive into a bit of that history. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Bill, as as some of your listeners may have heard, um, was a professor of business um, first at the University of Oregon, um, and then he moved to the University of Idaho um, in 1972. Uh, very shortly um, after starting the company, um, before becoming a business professor, um, he had worked um, for the General Motors company. Um, you know way back in the day um, and uh, before getting his PhD even, um, and just kind of had that experience um, working in that environment of, you know, long rows of desks, people at, you know, calculators and typewriters, um, you know, essentially, as he said, you know, everybody doing more or less the same thing. And I think he found it kind of soulless. Um, he um, had a, a stint in the army um, and then um, went and got his advanced degrees in um, business and finance um, at, at Michigan State um, and eventually moved out west. He was a ski instructor, very avid um, outdoors person, um, ended up in Eugene, Oregon. And that's where he discovered um, river running. Um, he fell in with some folks um, who got him on a trip in the Grand Canyon and he just fell in love with it immediately um, and started, um, you know, guiding um, trips in the summers um, on its breaks, um, you know, on like the Rogue and, and et cetera. Um, and just these are the very early, early days of rafting as, you know, as well as kayaking as we know it. Um, and, uh, and Bill just thought, man, this is a sport that a lot of people are going to fall in love with. And he really wanted to put his ideas about business into practice and see if he could do it. Um, he had some unusual ideas about business for the time, um, maybe some things that we now take for granted. But, um, you know, this is a period of history where, um, you know, the dominant, um, you know, uh, idea behind business was that a business had no purpose other than to generate value for its shareholders, um, generate profit. Um, and this was, you know, uh, an idea espoused by an economist named Milton Friedman, um, who was really the prevailing wisdom of the time. And Bill just thought it was a bunch of baloney. Um, he wanted to build a company that treated his customers he would like to be treated and that did business in a very ethical way. Um, and, you know, he saw how rafting and kayaking were blowing up, or he thought they were going to blow up in the near future. And at the time, it was very difficult horse equipment um, for those sports. Um, you would go, you know, to one, you know, outlet to get your oars and another to get a raft and another to get, um, you know, a kit so you could, well, I didn't think they had kits to build your own life jackets at the time. You were basically sourcing, you know, a lot of stuff from military surplus mm -hmm. and, Bill's stroke of genius was to, you know, go out and do all that work for you, bring it all under one roof, which is the roof of his garage. Um, he took $2,000 of his own savings, um, brought in an inventory, and then sat down at his typewriter and typed out the first NRS catalog. Um, 
And to this day, he's embarrassed by uh, the typo that is still evident <laughs> in the catalog. We have um, a, a couple copies of that original catalog. It's pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. And, and so, yeah, that's how he hung out his shingle and went into business. Um, he left um, the University of Oregon. Uh, as he puts it, um, he had a conservative dean who didn't like Bill's uh, outspoken stance against the war in Vietnam um, and just kind of made it clear that uh, you know, Bill didn't have much of a future there. He landed at the University of Idaho here in Moscow, Idaho, where I'm speaking to you from today, um, which worked out pretty well. Um, it's kind of um, centrally located amongst a lot of the great rivers of, of the Northwest here um, and uh, been here ever since. Um, and yeah, so that's how the company got started. Um, and then, you know, I'll let you lead me along in, in terms of, you know, where you want to go from here. Yeah, I, I love that story and that it, it almost sums up the like the paddle sports persona in the sense of like somewhat unorthodox thinking or, or maybe um, different than maybe the norm of society or something like that. And, and how Bill was able to take his ideas, take his his history uh, and PhD in, in business and implement that and take that into this paddle sports community and, and river community and really just start this this first kind of um, outfitter that really had everything all under one roof. And uh, yeah, I mean, it obviously speaks to the success that NRS is right now. Um, at what point in in the journey of NRS and in within these 50 years, because you guys are now, you're, you're an employee-owned company, correct? Am I right on that? So was that obviously was like was that part of Bill's um, original kind of business ideals or or kind of how did that all fall into place uh, along the way? Well, as Bill would put it, um, he started out to build a company that was the kind of company he would want to do business with. It wasn't too long after before he realized that in order to provide amazing customer service. It also had to be the kind of company he would want to work for. Um, and so because, you know, if your employees aren't happy and well cared for and engaged in their job, um, it's really difficult to provide top notch customer service. Um, you probably been on the phone uh, with, you know, a cable company or whatever, where you can tell that the poor soul on the other end of that line is not enjoying their day. Yeah. Uh, and it shows. Um, and so Bill, um, learned pretty quickly that he needed to make NRS the kind of company he would want to work for. And so he set out to build a company culture um, that would lead to great customer service. And great customer service isn't just the person on the other end of the phone or the person answering your email or the person standing in the store when you walk in. It's, it's every single person in this company is how we look at it. Uh, it's the person shipping your order. Um, it's, you know, the person, um, you know, who's getting your order off of the shelves and, and, and bringing it to the person who ships the order. It, it goes through the entire company. It's the people who are developing the products. Um, we're all in the customer service business. Um, but, you know, Bill did a really good job of setting out to create the kind of culture um, that would allow people to you know, bring their whole self to work every day, um, create an atmosphere where you're working with people that you enjoy, 
Um, there's a lot of friendships here. Um, it's a small town. Um, we all, you know, work together, but we run into each other at the grocery store and we, you know, um, go to the river together on the weekends um, and all that stuff. It's close knit um, community here within our headquarters. And, and now we're, um, you know, as we've grown to, we've um, got people all over the world at this point, um, but we really work hard to create those kinds of relationships and, and um, build a really special um, workplace environment here. Um, so yeah, that, that's, you know, um, kind of how we came to become employee owned. Um, Bill, you know, was a pioneer in um, having a profit sharing program. So, um, you know, the, you can see the work that you do every day to, you know, grow the company, improve sales, hits your paycheck. If, you know, we have a strong quarter, um, you'll see a cash bonus on your check. Um, he had a pioneering, um, ESOP, which stands for um, Employee Stock Ownership Program. Um, double, you know, fact check me on that acronym, but um, <laughs> that's the long and short of it. Um, we had a, a, a partial ESOP um, before going to 100% employee ownership, um, but employees would, um, through that program, um, get a little bit of ownership in the company every year. And, and over time, those accounts, you know, grew to be, um, pretty sizable for a lot of folks. And we have a lot of folks that have been here for 10, 20, close to 30 years at this point. Um, wow. And that's, that speaks to that culture. Um, there's, you know, the stories abound, but, um, you know, a good one is uh, our key accounts manager, Steve Farley, um, was the bartender at the bar across the street, um, which was like, this old Idaho road, roadhouse with picnic tables inside and horseshoe pits and stuff. Um, but that's where everybody go to have a cold one a day. And but in 2014, um, 2013, 2014, Bill was, you know, um, nearing his 80th birthday, knew that he should be thinking about succession. Um, of course, we lots of interest over the years from, you know, investors um, looking to own a piece or all of NRS and, and Bill could have easily sold the company for a lot of money and, and ridden off in the sunset. But that's not what he's about. Um, that didn't seem like a fitting way to end this experiment that he started in 1972. And so um, he made the decision to sell the company to the employees. Um, the employees formed a trust essentially um, that purchased back all the stock um, from Bill and others. There were a lot of folks that Bill had gifted shares of stock to over the years like myself. Um, so the trust purchased all that stock and now um, that stock gets allocated to um, the employees that are working here. That's so cool. I, I love that story. And, and it's so funny how nowadays it's, it's just like, it seems like everybody's talking about, you know, building company culture, but for Bill, for Bill to kind of think of that um, back in like even, even the seventies and eighties is, is so forward thinking. And, and the idea, the way that you put it, it, it just makes so much sense to build a company that you would want to work at. I mean, I just, I love that. And, and just the simplicity behind it all. Um, and the fact that it has grown into just this amazing company that it is an employee owned, employee owned. It's, it truly is amazing. And it, and it just, 
it almost sums up all of these business ideas that I'm sure Bill had studied and taught over the years, but the fact that he was just able to implement them all versus just, you know, have it theoretical is it, it really speaks volumes. Um, so NRS obviously has grown, you know, a, massively from those early days in, in Bill Park's garage to this huge company that it is an international company. Um, and it continues to grow and evolve. You guys just rolled out this year. I think, I think this year, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, was the first year with, with the new Gore-Tex lineup. Um, and you guys are continually like bringing new products and, and some of the best products to the market. What's kind of next for you guys now as, as you guys continue to grow and evolve and, uh, yeah, where, where does NRS go from here? Yeah. Um, sorry, right I'll take a quick step back and just talk about how we got into the, the business of, of designing and building products in the first place. Yeah. And that's kind of brings us to where we are today, but, um, you know, like I mentioned, Bill was sourcing goods from a variety of uh, vendors. Um, and a lot of that stuff was, like, as I mentioned, um, military surplus stuff. So a good example here is of like, you know, how we got into the, you know, the business of, of manufacturing. Um, the original dry bags they used on the river um, were military surplus delousing bags. So this is a big rubber bag um, that if you contracted lice, you would put all of your clothing and bedding, et cetera, into this big bag with a bunch of nasty chemicals, seal it up, shake it up, um, and that would kill those lice. Wow. Well, they turned out to be really waterproof as well. Um, and so boaters, you know, seized on that and, and started using them to keep their gear dry on the river. Um, well, the supply of that World War II surplus started to dry up. Um, the prices were going up. Um, Bill needed something to be able to offer his customers. And so he's decided, well, I'm probably going to have to manufacture my own dry bags. Um, and he found uh, some surplus truck tarp material, a PVC material. Um, it was orange. He bought that and he found a factory over in Seattle that could weld it. Um, and so on his weekends, and he, he still had his day job as a professor. He kept that until I think 1994. Um, wow. On his weekends, he would travel to Seattle, sleep on this guy's couch, um, and they would build prototypes. Um, mm -hmm. And the result of that is, is the original Bill's Bag dry bag. Um, which is, as you know, a bag that we still make and, and sell today. It's, it's, it's a perennial bestseller. Um, and I'm, just, I'm just right now putting the, the two things together that Bill's bag is Bill Park's bag. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. And so the, the original Bill's bag that he created, I think in 1974, um, first hit the catalog in, in I think 74, maybe 75. Um, you know, boom, like hits it out of the park with his first uh, product development effort um, that you know, to, to create a product that almost 50 years later is um, still a bestseller is pretty yeah. profound. Um, the other um, early product effort that he made was um, the NRS strap, which is another ubiquitous sort of iconic um, piece of river gear. Um, Bill... Um, had seen there was uh, a high water year um, in the early 70s um, here in Idaho. Um, there were 
some really nasty um, accidents on the middle fork of the salmon, um, some fatalities. Um, and Bill looked at that and thought, you know, a lot of this could have been avoided or um, been less severe if there were a better way to tie down gear on boats. Um, and, um, you know, at the time they were using, you know, rope or tubular webbing, it stretched when it got wet, it tightened up when it dried. It was really hard to, you know, in the event of a, a flip or a wrap to get stuff off your boat, you got all these knots. Um, and so he got the idea to, um, uh, you know, you know, the inspiration came from the freight industry or, or the um, trucking industry, transportation industry um, to use a, a cam buckle and uh, polypropylene webbing. Um, he sourced webbing from a factory in Spain. He sourced the buckle from a factory in Germany, brought the two together and sewed up um, the original NRS straps um, and revolutionized the industry. I mean, um, you cannot go on a river trip today, basically, and not see NRS straps. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the standard, um, and that was about the same time as the Bills bag. Um, so those were his first two product development efforts, um, and that kicked NRS off in this business of, of building brand label goods. And over the years, you know, it was kind of a okay if there was a hole in his assortment he might manufacture his own product to fill that hole. Um, or if, you know, a major supplier, um, you know, was going out of business or something, he would, you know, um, figure out how to create that product himself and eventually started selling those products, um, not just directly to end consumers or retail customers through the catalog, but also to commercial outfitters and guides um as well as um later into retailers um so paddle sports and and rafting shops um around the country and then around the world um over time the products that nrs was manufacturing itself began to eclipse the products that nrs was sourcing from other vendors um to where it you know today um you know 80 plus percent of our our sales are nrs brand labeled goods although we still keep that original idea of you know at least for our, our retail business um uh, being able to provide the customer with a nice assortment of nrs as well as um some other um, brand labeled goods um, but today our, our focus is primarily on developing our own products um and on you know carrying forward that tradition of innovation that bill started in the early to mid 1970s um, I think, um, you know, we're really excited about where we are today. We've invested um, heavily um, over the past few years in our product development program, um, whether, you know, we brought in um, some really, really talented personnel, um, whether that's apparel design, life jacket design, um, or hard good design accessories. Um, we've got um, just an amazing, amazing staff there now. And we've um, invested in a lot of, um, you know, equipment and technology um, to be able to, you know, um, really ramp up our, our process for designing, prototyping, testing, et cetera, um, to where, you know, I think, um, you know, today, you know, NRS kind of, you know, in, based on, you know, Bill's early um, efforts and kind of 
really that commercial outfitting business, which was a core part of our business, still is. Um, the products at that time had to be durable, functional, and affordable. Um, yeah. And that's what everybody was looking for, whether you're a private boater or a commercial outfitter. Um, over time, um, you know, as the outdoor industry matured, as, um, you know, the outdoors became a more and more core part of, of people's self-identities, you know, they started looking for more sophisticated products, products that, you know, also looked great. Also, you know, didn't just like do the job, but um, did the job in a, in a really um, amazing um, way. And so today we're, you know, I think, you know, you've seen it, um, the, the quality, the sophistication, the innovation um, has really um, taken off at this company um, to where, you know, I think our goal that we set, um, you know, probably 10 years ago was to you know, take paddle sports out of sort of like the dark ages of black neoprene <laughs> wetsuits and booties and kind of looking like a goon on the river to making product um, that was on par with the best products that you could buy for skiing, climbing, backpacking, um, whatever it is in the outdoors. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I'm proud that we've been a part of that movement in paddle sports um, to really, um, you know, improve the offerings that we have. And, and I think, um, you know, bring our sport into a new era of, of excitement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think definitely within the last decade, like not only are the products functional and, and affordable, but, but they've really excelled in, in kind of like that flash factor as well. Like they, they look good, they feel good, they work good. And they're still like functional and affordable and all that, that stuff that, that Bill originally, you know, kind of founded the company on, but, but there definitely has been a progression of, um, I, kind of like not just quality materials that maybe last longer, but also just like look better out on the river. And I don't know, you, you feel like really good. Like what you said, that this is like the top of the line gear that, that, you know, is going to go head to head against whether it be the ski industry or the backpacking industry or, or any of these other industries that have been, you know, around as long or longer than, than paddle sports. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see. And, and I think that, you know, NRS has been a huge factor in, in that kind of push forward, as you said, uh, taking paddle sports out of the dark ages. Um, there, there was one thing that you were, that when you were mentioning that whole history story of manufacturing that got me thinking, and I don't know if it's actually, you know, true or not, but just when you were saying that, um, when Bill left one of his, uh, his roles as a professor due to his beliefs on the, the war, um, in Vietnam, did that have anything to do with like maybe not wanting to buy uh, material like uh, military surplus goods? And he was like, that's it. I'm like, I'm, I'm not supporting the military. I'm going to go build my own products or anything like that. Or am I just totally out in left wing and thinking that that could be like coincidental? Yeah, I don't know that that had a lot of um, impact on, on that decision. I think it was a little bit more pragmatic than that. Um, right. Bill, like I mentioned, he is a veteran. Um, he did serve in the army. Um, I don't know that he liked it a whole lot. Um, but you know, he's, um, 
he's he's a radical in his own way. Um, <laughs> you know, um, he didn't come from a radical background, as I mentioned. He you know worked at General Motors and he was right. in the army and etc. Um, but he's I guess what I would call a a very very independent thinker. Um, Love that. He's um, an intellectual. Um, he's brilliant, um, and he doesn't just accept conventional wisdom um, and is not afraid to um, have opinions or ideas that are well outside the mainstream. Um, more often than not, I think that his uh, opinions and ideas that were at one point well outside the mainstream, um, eventually the mainstream caught up. And now, as, as, as I mentioned before, they're kind of um, accepted as conventional wisdom, whether that's how you run a company or you know how you avoid um you know um uh miring the country in uh, uh a war and, and a human rights crisis um and um you know bill um has never been shy about um sharing his opinions on such things um and he's never been shy about um staking out uh, a position that is um you know maybe um considered unusual by um some of the mainstream um and and that's and that's just bill um, well, i i think i think you couldn't, you couldn't talk to him for 10 minutes without realizing that yeah <laughs> you know it, it's 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 just how he is I, I feel like there's a lot of those personalities within paddle sports and and maybe i'm wrong but i, I just think that there's a fair amount of characters that that are deemed unusual to to maybe like this the norms of society um, oh so no doubt about it no doubt about it and bill's uh you know he's he's been friends with a lot of those people over the years as well you know yeah. it's you know like going back to those early days you know it's it's really cool to hear some of his old stories about you know like we've got here for example um a uh early if not the first um one of the first or second um, prototype Yakima roof racks um, wow. had on his car in the mid 1970s. Um, so he was like hanging out with, you know, the founder of Yakima. Um, he was hanging out with people like Charlie Walridge, who you might know, um, who's, you know, still, um, you know, kind of the, the lead safety person for American Whitewater and just an absolute legend in the sport. And, you know, Charlie was, um, I think, one of the first people that was selling the sew your own life jacket kit you would just get a you know a box in the in the mail um <laughs> with, you know some nylon and some flotation and you would just literally like sew your own life jacket and these guys were pioneers you know yeah um and bill was definitely a big part of that mix but um he's he's kept that mentality his entire life um and he's built that mentality into this company too um i think we've never been afraid to um you know, do things that might be considered crazy, um, yeah. you know, and, and in fact, you know, Bill kind of encourages that type of thinking. So I, I love it. I love that kind of thinking. Um, it reminds me of stories from, uh, from Joe Pulliam again, from those like early paddle sports days when, when Joe was kind of, um, working with, with perception and, and dagger and, uh, 
And I'm sure, you know, he, he was also telling me of like making his own, his own gear back in the days and stuff like that too. So I didn't realize that there was actually like mail, mail in and, and order and build your own life jacket kits. That's amazing. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> there's a, a fella that, uh, retired from NRS last year. Um, his name is Clyde Nicely. I don't know if you ever had the chance to meet him. Um, but Clyde's about not much younger than Bill. <laughs> um, but Clyde worked at NRS till very late in life just because he loved it here so much. And it was like his whole social life and everything. But Clyde's, um, you know, been pushing rubber down rivers um, about as long as, as Bill has. But Clyde actually had uh, one of those so you're on life jacket, life jackets that he had sewn himself <laughs> and brought it in to, for show and tell one day. And um, yeah, it's pretty wild. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, NRS, obviously you guys are somewhat of a leader in, in just the the business ideals and and the quality in manufacturing. Though not just that, you guys are also a bit of a leader in the industry itself within exclusivity or, or inclusivity, sorry, not exclusivity, within inclusivity and, and really trying to um, bring paddle sports to the masses and, and really make it more inclusive to everybody. Can you tell us a little bit of the programs that NRS is a part of um, through what you guys call your leads programs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, taking a step back, you know, 10 years or so, um, you know, I think um, we really had a moment where um, we looked around and realized that, you know, a company in our position um, has to be about more than, you know, just making and selling products. Um, the company had always been, you know, very, um, you know, based in, in people, um, the people that work here, the people that, you know, we do business with the people who buy from us. Um, but, um, we realized that, um, we were in a position that we could do more and we really, you know, focused on conservation, um, starting then, um, and, um, you know, wanted to not just be a company that was, um, writing a check and getting our logo on a website we wanted to be the company that was rolling up our sleeves and and using all of our capabilities whether that's um, financial or our media reach or um, competencies that we have in-house in terms of you know media and marketing campaigns communications public relations all that stuff and partnering with organizations like American Whitewater, American Rivers, um, and lots of um, smaller regional and, and localizations as well. Um, but then, you know, um, kind of in, it was pre-George Floyd actually, um, where we were just, you know, um, looking at what was going on in the world and feeling like, you know, this still isn't enough. Um, mm -hmm. You know, conservation, sustainability, huge pillars of what our company's about. But there's this, you know, stuff going on in our society um, that, you know, we're not going to fix single handedly. But at least in our own little corner of the world um, in paddle sports, we can do more. Um, yeah. And so we started a program originally called Just Add Water um, that was really about, you um, sharing the love of the water um, with 
a wider range of people knowing that, you know, it's a very small and privileged group traditionally um, that is whitewater kayaking, sea kayaking, um, rafting, and and even stand-up paddling. Um, you know, there's a high barrier in entry to those sports. You have to have skill. Um, you have to have safety training. You have to have, um, you know, a lot of equipment that's not cheap, um, et cetera. Um, but we still feel that, like, everybody's drawn to water in the same way, really. Um, and, and most Americans, um, live, you know, within a short distance of recreational, recreationally accessible waters. Um, and you might just be out there in a, in a inner tube, um, or you might just be, you know, swimming and, and having a water fight. But, um, we really wanted to, build a bigger tent um, and welcome more people into this thing that, that you know, you and I and, and a lot of others in our sport have fallen in love with and it's brought so much richness to our lives, um, keeps us healthy, keeps us sane, et cetera. Um, and, and so with that program, um, you know, we really started looking at how can we break down barriers to the outdoors? Um, we actually had a 10 city event tour planned um, going into urban areas throughout the U.S. Um, where we would do um, on the water clinics, um, you know, film programs like, a, a, you know, backyard barbecue style event, um, welcoming um, lots of different people in, not the usual suspects that you would see at like Golly Fest or whatever, yeah. um, but, um, you know, just really uh, boots on the ground. Um, you know, interacting one-on-one -on -one, um, with a lot of people. Um, the uh, COVID pandemic hit uh, just as we were getting ready to roll that out. So we had to uh, mothball that idea pretty quickly then, and turn that into a webinar series. Um, literally the day that we were going to launch our first webinar um, was the day that George Floyd was murdered. Um, so we kind of, you know, uh, put hit pause on that for a little bit, but, um, when we rolled it out, you know, a few weeks later, um, it turned out to be incredibly timely and to be a very cathartic, um, conversation that we had with, uh, a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, um, across the U S. Um, and from that grew, um, this idea of our lead ambassador and lead athlete program, um, we started looking around at, you know, sort of the traditional approach to um, influencer marketing in the outdoors, um, which is, you know, been around, you know, almost as long as NRS, which is basically like find, you know, the most badass paddlers, you know, get them to wear your stuff and then, you know, put them in your advertisements and, and have them tag you on social media and, you know, get your stuff in all the videos that they're in and et cetera. And it just felt really hollow and kind of cynical to us um, and really outdated um, and not really responsive to the times that we we're living in today. And so we changed that program. And, and now um, through the LEAD program, which stands for Leaders in Environment, Access and Diversity, um, you know, we're basically asking all of our athletes, um, as well as a new um, a new uh, segment of, of influencers that we have that, you know, sometimes they are athletes, but oftentimes they're not. They're more like activists. Um, yep. They're people who are actually 
out there in their communities, um, spreading the love, um, getting new people on the water. A lot of times, or almost all the time, um, people that wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise. And so working with those leads, um, we're able to, um, you know, again, use our resources that we have as a company, whether that's financial resources, um, contributing gear um, to help break down that gear barrier for folks, um, helping these organizations be successful, um, helping them raise funds by, you know, creating media, um, plugging them into um, our media channel and giving them access to our audience. Um, sometimes it's just like designing, you know, using our marketing team to, you know, design a logo or, or, or write some copy for their website or whatever it is. Um, and that has been really, really cool because we've been a part of just a lot of very, very grassrootsy um, initiatives um, in places all throughout the country and now the world um, where, you know, these people are finally like they've been maybe, you know, toiling in obscurity in this passion that they have for years. And now they're getting recognized by a major company in the space and they're getting, you know, resources that they need to help them be successful. Um, and that's super exciting. So like a great example um, is uh, a, a program that we put together with um a national nonprofit called Outdoor Afro um, over the last two years. Uh, longtime um, athlete ambassador of ours, Todd Wright, um, came up with this idea um, along with the folks at Outdoor Afro um, to train up um, ACA certified instructors from um, Outdoor Afro in various communities throughout the country um, so that they could go back then and lead paddling outings um, with their membership in those places. Um, I think what we've learned through this process is that breaking down barriers to the outdoors is, is really about building bridges um, to access. Um, you know, it's one thing to, you know, host people for an afternoon and take them out on the water. They may never go out on the water again. It's another thing to help develop the infrastructure that is going to, um, allow um, people to be continually get getting out on the water over time. So developing, you know, people who can be instructors, developing um, clubs that have access to gear. So now you don't just have a, a one-time deal, you have um, a, a program that's going to um, persist for a long period of time. And, you know, it should, over time, um, you know, create a lot of new paddlers, a lot of new access to sport. Hopefully, um, a lot of these people fall in love with it the way um, you and I and a lot of other people have, and it'll spark in them a passion to help protect these places and protect our access to these places. Um, and so it's, it's um, again, you know, like Bill's radical thinking, this is, you know, maybe an unusual thing for a paddle sports company to be trying to do to actually grow the sport um, mm -hmm. and actually create a new generation of, of people who are going to be advocates for the sport and advocates for the resources. Um, but, um, you know, working in this way, um, I think we, we can really make a difference. I love that. And I, I totally agree that you can make a difference that way, but it's, it's like sharing this passion and this love 
for the outdoors, for the rivers. Not only do we get to share that then with more people and, and bring in a greater audience to the outdoors, but those people then also become the at those same advocates for the rivers for protecting our, our outdoors for voting um you know policy for protection about outdoors and rivers and all that stuff so i love everything about that i'm, I'm a huge proponent for um for just making it more inclusive uh again i i love that i'm gonna have to check out and see if there's anything i can do to help out with that um outdoor afros program there's another program that that I help with uh, with inner city kids in New York City um, but I'd love to help with the with the outdoor afros as well so I'm going to reach out to those guys and see what I can do but yeah, yeah there's so much cool stuff going on out there and so many people doing such great work it's yeah. it's truly impressive and you know it, it was profound for me personally um, to start down this path and start learning and listening um, you know I grew up in the outdoors um, I took it for granted that, you know, people just knew how to do all this stuff and had mm -hmm. the gear and, um, et cetera, um, and had access, um, and felt comfortable in those spaces. Um, and, you know, it was a, it was a huge eye opener for me to start having these conversations with lots of different folks and realizing that I'm living in a, a very privileged little bubble. Um, and you know, that, that not everybody, um, grew up with that. Um, yeah. and, but, you know, I think if there's one thing that the pandemic taught us, it's, is the value of the outdoors, um, for physical and mental well-being. Um, 100%. and a lot of the folks that have kind of traditionally been shut out of the outdoors are the, the people that, that need, um, that kind of experience more than anybody else, um, yeah. and can really benefit from it. And it's just a small thing, um, that we can do as a company, as an industry, um, to help grow that and expand that access and welcome those folks in. And it, it's, it's ironic that you say it's a small thing because sometimes it's those smallest things that make the biggest differences. So I definitely applaud you and NRS for, for taking those first steps forward and, and really trying to build those bridges and, and foster that inclusivity. So thank you guys for, for all of that. Uh, as NRS is celebrating this 50-year anniversary, um, do you guys obviously look back and, and celebrate these 50 years, but do you also look forward and, and maybe set any goals or, or have any ideas of what the next, you know, five, 10, 50 years might look like for NRS? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we really wanted to take this anniversary and not just make it about us and, and celebrating ourselves and our success and where we've come from, um, really wanted to make it about, um, you know, one, um, saying thanks to all the people that helped us get to where we are. And that's, you know, people that have, you know, bought from us over the years, been loyal customers. Um, these are, you know, business partners. Um, this is our local community that, you know, continues to welcome us with open arms over and over and over again. Um, so it's one, let's say thanks um, to the people that helped us get here. But two, let's, you know, re-examine our values, um, the values that got us here. And let's figure out how to, you know, double down on those values for uh, a new era. Um, 
And, and so, you know, it really was, you know, um, one, a, a chance to say thanks and two, um, a chance to look down the road, look toward the future and kind of reevaluate and take Bill's, you know, original vision, but say, how do we amplify that even bigger um, as we move forward and, and do um, even more good things? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think every time we kind of have one of these watershed moments, COVID was another example, you know, and, you know, we like a lot of companies for, you know, a few weeks there were like, man, like, how are we going to keep the lights on in this place? Are we going to have to lay people off? Like, um, et cetera. And we just kind of had this moment where we thought, you know what, um, when times get tough, that's when you fall back on those core values, um, that have been instilled in you instilled in this company and you double down on that. And so we made a lot of plans at that time, you know, if, you know, sort of gaming out those worst case scenarios, um, but not one of those scenarios was we lay people off and not one of those scenarios was, you know, um, we kill our relationships with, you know, this wholesale or, you know, account or this factory or whatever. It's like, how can we be partners to, you know, not only our, our own employees, but our customers, our business partners, et cetera and have, you know, kind of a holistic vision of, you know, how can we do our part to hold this together? And if we can hold it together and survive, we'll come out on the other side, a stronger company, a stronger industry. Um, and that's what we did. And, and it worked out really well for us. There were a lot of companies during that time that just, you know, laid a bunch of people off or mm -hmm. canceled their factory orders and, and burned bridges with, you know, the, their, you know, the people who were manufacturing their goods or whatever it is. Um, and then when it came roaring back, you know, you know, weeks or months later, you know, all of a sudden they found themselves in a rough position, but our values guided us through that situation. And as we look forward, that it's those same values that are going to guide us uh, ahead. And it sounds crazy to say, you know, for a company that's, you know, as, as big as we are and, and has as, you know, great of ambitions as we have, but um, I think we're, you know, really seeing that the, the future is, is, you know, the same kind of grassroots efforts that got us where we are today. And we can just do those at a bigger scale. Um, but like this lead program, um, for example, um, is, you know, there's nothing fancy about it. It's literally like, okay, you have a nonprofit in this community and you guys need life jackets and helmets to get kids on the water. We're there. Um, yeah. And, um, and so it's, it's, um, I don't want to say more of the same, um, but it's, um, a new translation of a very old formula and that's just to do business the right way and, and do it at a human scale. Um, yep. and that's what, that's what we're doing, um, as an organization on the product side. Um, yeah, we're, you know, and continue continuing to innovate. I think that's that's the big thing there. Um, you know, it's easy to you know as we're you know right now kind of seeing some global global economic struggles and uncertainty. Um, it's easy to you know say at that time like, okay, well let's just cancel everything. We'll stay the course. Um, we'll sit pat and and ride this out. 
um, we're not doing that. We're, um, we think that the way to stay healthy and, and stay successful is to continue to move forward and keep innovating um, and, and driving the business, the industry, our sport forward. Yeah. And it, it really sounds like you're taking Bill's original ideas and you're just, you're magnifying it with the, with the size of the company that it is now. It's, it's still, it's still about making quality products. It's still about making affordable products. It's still about trying to push forward in every direction, whether that be making better products, whether that being um, kinder to the end user, to the employees, um, being more inclusive. I mean, it, it really is just almost like a, a, a louder megaphone of Bill's original ideas when he started the company. So it's it's truly incredible to see, and I can't wait to uh, to witness how it continues to grow in the coming years. And and again, I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, Mark, I gained so much out of these interviews, these conversations, um, and just so much value. And I wanted to know, is there anything that I could do for you or for NRS um, because I gained so much value? So is there something that you or NRS is focusing on that I might be able to help you guys out with personally or, again, possibly even my listeners? Yeah, well, one thing that I would like to tap you for, um, you know, and Emily as well, is um, we're kind of um, reaching um, the end of kind of our two-year agreements with our current slate of lead ambassadors, um, mm -hmm. which is, um, they've all been great. Um, some of them, um, I think we'll continue to work with others. I think have, you know, reached a, a point of maturation where they're, um, kind of good and, um, you know, um, maybe, um, our support would be, you know, more helpful to somebody, um, who's at a different stage in their development, um, if at their organization, um, but we're going to be looking for candidates um, for that program um, moving forward. And so the last go around, you know, it wasn't just me, you know, saying like, OK, we'll work with this person. We actually had a, a steering committee of sorts um, made up of, you know, NRS people as well as, um, you know, our lead athletes um, who were really invested in this stuff um, and saying like, bring us people that you think would be good for this program, then let's all um, review um, kind of all of these applications and, and figure out, um, you know, where we can do the most good with the resources that we have. Um, and so it's getting close to the time where we're going to need to kind of reconvene a, a focus group to work on that stuff. And I would love to plug you guys into that um, as we move forward with it. I'd, I'd love to love to help out in, in every way possible. So you can definitely count on me for that. And I've, I've also got some ideas that, uh, that I can help kind of, uh, share with you guys as well. So, so excited to, to, to share any ideas and, and any insight that I can. Um, besides that, I would say, you know, just, just keep being you, um, what you and Emily and your family do, um, to, as, you know, evangelists for, you know, paddle sports and, and life on the water is, is really amazing. And, um, that's why, you know, we really wanted to be working with you. And, um, you know, I think, um, you're doing a lot as it is. Um, so we want to support that work as well. Well, thanks. I, I, I honestly, uh, 
like what you said a lot throughout this interview, just honored to be able to spend so much time out in the outdoors, out on the water. And I just try to share my love and passion with the river as much as I can with as many people as willing. Uh, so thank you for all that you do and NRS does uh, for your support with me and for all of the, the lead programs out there. Um, for anybody out there that wants to kind of follow more along with the NRS journey, uh, what's probably the best way for people to reach out? Is it just go visit NRS.com, social channels, or, or how, how should people uh, follow along the NRS journey? Yeah, well, um, NRS.com obviously is the hub of everything. Um, we have our Duct Tape Diaries blog um, there um, with a lot of these stories um, coming through. Um, through that medium um, and, you know, really focus um, with, with that outlet um, on delivering, um, you know, stories, um, content that will, um, you know, resonate with a wide range of people and, and help you be introduced to um, the many wonderful aspects of, of our sport um, and a life on the water. Um, and then, of course, um, you know, at NRS Web on YouTube, Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, that's where um, we're kind of sharing all of that love um, and having a lot of those conversations. And we'd love to have you there. And j just on a total other side note, for uh, first off, please, everybody, go check out NRS at, at all the social channels, NRS web, um, definitely check out the NRS store for all the amazing products. But I just had the idea, if there is someone out there listening that maybe has uh, an idea for a nonprofit or, or some sort of uh, inclusivity workshop or something, uh, what might be the best way if they were a candidate that could be someone for this lead program, how could they reach out uh, for support that way? You know, the best entry point is, is honestly, um, just service at nrs.com. Um, the email address, um, you know, send a, a, a write up of, of who you are and, and what you're trying to do and how you think we might fit in. Um, and, uh, the folks in our customer experience department will forward it along to, um, the most appropriate person at the company. Um, and we make sure that every single one of those inquiries gets a response. I love that. Thank you again so very much for your time together, Mark, today. This was incredible. I learned a ton. Um, and I just, I love the history of NRS. I love the morals. I love the business ideas. And I just, I love the direction that you guys continue to take this company, this brand, this mission forward. So thank you for your time. For my listeners out there, I hope you guys got as much insight and value out of this as I did. Please, if you guys have someone that might be part, uh, or that, that might be an ideal fit for this leads program, definitely reach out to NRS. We'd love to help grow the sport, help uh, make it more inclusive to more people out there. And I just love to share this passion uh, with more people out on the water. So please reach out. Thank you again for your time together, Mark. As always, I am Nick Troutman here with Mark signing off, wishing you all a truly awesome day. Cheers. Thanks so much, everybody. And thanks, Nick, for having me on. Appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.